0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your place's call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one.
1: Camera speeding, audio speeding. Lights and sound, go. And action.
0: Welcome back, PWRP listeners. This is pretend world's real people the podcast i'm one of your hosts stephanie or steph i realized the other day sorry i'm gonna hold off on your intro for a minute um i sign all of my emails steph i think of myself as a steph and yet when i introduce myself i say stephanie i don't know what that means if it means anything but i just wanted to share that that insight other co-hosts what's your name
1: Hi, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. Um, my name is Tyler, and uh, I I really respect that you've introverted the uh, the custom of introducing yourself by uh, switching the shorthand and the longhand. And uh, I, sorry, I got really like creepy <laughs> Jeff Goldblum yeah, for like, a second. I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so your name
0: actually, is actually it reminded Steph. me oh, okay. of um. When uh, you that actually was very Robin Williams of you that voice when he and like I'm reminded of Aladdin and the genie when he like transforms into that like one character
1: (laughs) I don't know who he's trying to
0: imitate. No, 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 no. He's imitating an actor, and I just can't think of. But
1: we're we're getting
0: way off. Listeners, if you're still here, (laughs) yes, that's what it is, Marlon Brando. Thank you.
1: uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're way off track, but that's okay because I feel like this whole episode was like in and out in in like the best way possible. Yeah, um, totally. It was uh, it was really cool. It it's, uh, God, sorry, it's so hot in here. Um, <laughs> this week I'm trying to get back on track in a normal voice, but this week we uh, brought on a guest, somebody who I have actually known for in or known for known of in Denver. For a while and didn't meet until a commercial shoot three or four weeks ago but uh, she's an actress she is a screenwriter she's a producer she is a as she will mention a very gifted person (laughs) (laughs) catherine i had to do it uh but she's she's honestly just the coolest and i'm glad we had to uh, had a chance to get her on the show so without much further delay i would love to introduce Catherine Gould. So, Miss Catherine, thank you so much for coming on this show. Uh, I initially felt pretty weird asking you to come on here because I felt like I, I know you, but I don't know you. Uh, I knew of you through Facebook and through working, you know, at Big Fish. But if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners uh, who you are and what you do.
2: Uh, so yeah, I'm Catherine Gould, and I'm mostly a writer and an actor. I, I met Tyler on the set of a, what, what is that, a web something industrial uh, type thing that we yeah. were shooting <laughs> recently. Um, so I still definitely go out for you know local uh, commercials and whatever have you around here, but what's really taken off is my writing career. Um, a few years ago, uh, I... Got a manager which was awesome i did that by you know sharing my work with a fellow writer and then he introduced me to his manager and um you know kind of slowly got to know the manager over several years and trips to la and he comes here every now and then and uh you know eventually he started asking me to do some things and um and then it's just kind of grew and blossomed from there. So that's mostly, and then, you know, I've directed a few shorts, um, produced a few. Uh, so I have kind of like everybody, you know, I have lots of hats that I wear depending on what it is that I'm <laughs> wanting to get done. Um, but the big thing right now is writing. So yeah.
0: And that's screenplays. Yeah.
2: Yes. Screenplays.
1: And I saw on your on your site it say playwright as well have you ever, have you ever dabbled um, in... I have
2: written some plays I've had short plays produced okay. um, in a few festivals and things I haven't gotten any of my uh well I have one feature or not what do they call it full length they don't call it a feature <laughs> I, I have one full length uh play that uh, I have not gotten produced yet so but yeah it Playwriting is really fun. I I I wrote that play several years ago, and and I haven't written another one since then. It's um, you know it's a totally different challenge from screenwriting. I've mostly been focused on screen screenwriting my whole career, so um, but playwriting is really fun, and it's a little bit easier to get produced.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Depending on the what do you what do you find is like the biggest difference between writing a play versus writing a screenplay?
2: Well, so a stage play definitely has a lot more dialogue. Mm. Um, and in writing it, really the way they want you to write it is they want you to do almost no directing whatsoever. Just just write the words and then let the direct- directors and the actors figure out where people are going and what they're doing and what the set looks like. You know, you can give definite suggestions and things. Um, that's been the hardest thing for me because mm-hmm. screenwriting is the opposite you know it's as little dialogue as possible you know you describe the action and you can't you can't also direct the camera when you're uh doing when you're screenwriting either the movie directors don't like that either but <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to set up the whole world in a really visual way using a lot of imagery and and very succinctly almost like poetry um and so that's Part of the fun for me is just figuring out how to describe things in a really interesting and unique way, and that's kind of what a lot of people, when they read your stuff, they really respond to is that voice. Um, Whereas playwriting, to me, it feels a little bit limiting. You know, in that I can pretty much only write their dialogue, and I can't be like, you know, he looks at her, and then she does this, and you know, like (laughs) I feel like so much subtext is in that action, and so yeah
1: interesting see, with with your writing style you know uh, at least from what we're taught if you're writing a script you don't want it to be too crazy as far as description goes but do you find yourself going closer towards the I guess sort of Tarantino <laughs> area of you know blocks of descriptions or are you pretty I don't, pretty I don't have in
2: huge that? blocks of description here. I think this is the script that I'm so easy. Oh, like nice. It's mostly dialogue, with you know, broken up with lots of little bits of description. Yeah. Um.
1: Oh, that's beautiful.
2: But yeah, like I really, it's 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 more sort of creating an image in the reader's mind and doing it with as few words as possible. Mm. Um, you know, so that they can get a picture mm. in their heads and then move on with the action. You don't want to spend you know tarantino can write whatever the f he wants on that (laughs) on his scripts because he's going to direct them (laughs) fair in fact if you've read any of his scripts they're so like i'm an editor too this is funny i'll show you my t-shirt today it says i'm silently correcting your (laughs) Uh, i want that uh, and so reading a Tarantino script is like yeah because there's so many spelling mistakes and grammatical errors and everything I'm just like oh, okay I see like what he's doing he's very poetic he's very it's it's a good script to read because he does use a lot of imagery but every, you know like five times a page I'm like get out my red marker
0: <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> I love that
1: it's Oh, sorry, Steph. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, go ahead. You go first. You're good.
1: Oh no, uh, I just wanted to, to see. I don't think I I had asked you for well for my own selfish reasons on the shoot because I wanted you to come on the show. But what was your what was your start in uh, you know gaining interest in becoming a screenwriter or just a writer in general? How did that whole process begin?
2: Wow. So that that really goes back to childhood. <laughs> I literally used to gather. I I lived very close to uh, my cousins and then we had several friends in our neighborhood and I would gather them all and I would write shows and make them perform them with me for our family. (laughs) (laughs) So like it really does go back very early. I started taking acting classes when I was 11 maybe. Okay. Um, I always loved writing stories. i Recently, I was going through my dad's attic and found like a couple of notebooks with these like just silly, cheesy little girl, like fantasy novel things.
0: Um, (laughs) That's awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so it it really has been something that I've just always done. Um, But in college, I, you know, I went from a very, very small high school. Literally, I graduated with 20 people in my graduating class was um, wow and there <laughs> I was the star of every show I started on every sports team I played four sports a year um, you know I like wrote for the school newspaper like I did everything and I was the valedictorian of my class and so <laughs> I got to Stanford and suddenly I was everybody else was as good or better than me at everything and I got really discouraged, you know, when I, I tried out for a play and I didn't get a part. I was just like, "What? Oh, what? I'm not good at this." And <laughs> it's kind of this um, actually interesting. The project I'm working on now, the theme of it has a lot to do with this growth mindset. Um, so kids like me who grow up kind of gifted and kind of good at everything often become very afraid to try new things because Mm. usually when they try something, they're really good at it. And Mm -hmm. if they're not right away, they're like, oh, this isn't for me. And so I got to this big campus, big school with all these talented people and I couldn't get cast in anything. And suddenly I was like, oh, I'm no good at this. You know, I like, I, you know, came from this background where there were, you know, no competition and now I'm here and I'm just not any good. So I actually quit acting um, for a while and um, I did do one uh, student film my senior year (laughs) and (laughs) it was really bad. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, there's a rule, like one of the first rules you learn in in this uh, business is show, don't tell. And it was literally just people sitting around talking about things that happened. And I'm like... Okay, anyway, I do not still have a copy of that title, but no. <laughs> it's on an old VCR tape somewhere. Oh no. <laughs> so anyway, so I I really kind of quit acting and I ended up majoring in the English and psychology, um, specializing mm-hmm. in child development. Uh and I, I still loved English. Like I still loved creativity and, you know, I took some creative writing classes and stuff and I was writing on the side, just kind of as a hobby. You know, I, I wrote a novel that nobody gets to read and, <laughs> and just, you know, just kind of to keep my creative spirit up. Um, <clears throat> and then I went and actually got a master's degree in family and child studies. And then I, tried to go to work in that field and it turns out uh you have to have had a child before you can tell any other parents anything (laughs) so i i ended up working in preschools and i worked as a nanny and and we moved to denver um i got married and, and we moved to denver shortly after that and um i just i couldn't find anything like i had been finding some part-time things. Uh, I worked for an even start, which is kind of like a head start program. I just couldn't find anything here. So I went to work as a nanny and loved it, loved it. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, I was like, I really miss acting. And so I got involved in mm. theater up in Boulder and I, I did that for a few years. And then I went to uh, find an agent because I, I was starting a family and I, you know, his plays are a really long, tough commitment. And my husband yeah. is an airline pilot, so he's out of town a lot. And yeah. So, you know, it's like three days of single parenting and then, you know, that, and so it's really hard to commit to a play. And so I thought, well, film, you know, you can do it on the weekends. You can kind of do it here and there and wherever, you know, and commercials are usually just one day. That's easy. So, um, I started the process of finding an agent. It took a while. I got into an uh, agency that went defunct and all that stuff. But I finally found Big Fish, um, and <clears throat> I was really excited because uh, Peter Danello, who ran it at the time, uh, had his program called Right to Act going. And it had never occurred to me, for whatever reason, as long as I had been acting, to write things for myself to perform. And it was kind of like this light bulb moment. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Oh my God. And so that class, you know, I took for a long, long time um, probably five or six years at least. And we just developed uh, monologues, scenes, and then eventually short plays that we workshopped in there and just, you know, we wrote them for each other and we would you know, cast each other in them and and do different things. And we did workshops for lots of people who came into town from LA and New York. And we actually took a couple of trips. Um, I only went on one, but went to New York and like performed for some casting directors there. And it was really awesome. And uh, I learned a ton. Um, And then, so I, I actually started just writing, like writing not for me to perform, but just I found that I really loved loved writing. And so I um I started uh just writing screenplays just different ideas that I had. I actually optioned the very first one that I ever wrote. Um what yeah, I, I put it up on this site that's no longer with us I think. I don't think it is anyway. I've been back there a long time. <laughs> it's called Sugar Street. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um and it was kind of it was just an online community for screenwriters. It was one of the first ones really and I put it up on there and you know, I got feedback and stuff. And then some producers from there found me and, and liked it. And, you know, it was a free option. It wasn't anything fancy and they never were able to get their funding. But that was, you know, it was sort of a boost for me to be like, hey, you know, this is the first thing I wrote and somebody was interested in it. So that was good. And then, um, like I said, I, I met my manager through uh, another friend. and. Uh, you know, I had given him some of my scripts and eventually he found one that he really liked and wanted to write with me. And, and so I met his manager that way and he kind of got familiar with my writing that way. And then he just, you know, started asking me to do other things. And um, a couple of years ago, he asked me to write um, a sci fi action. That's my kind of my genre is, is sci fi action adventure fantasy as well
0: um and so, so you're gonna write the next seasons of firefly that we all need oh, and love
3: yes.
2: <laughs> yesterday i was wearing my firefly shirt how did you know that,
0: Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got to do it i catherine i feel like you should just pick up the ball <laughs> yeah
2: yeah that's really amazing um anyway so yeah so uh, i wrote a, a sci-fi feature for him and and it still hasn't sold he actually the well I, it was he paired me up with a director in germany and i wrote his uh, feature um and he actually suddenly like got a big german tv show and and like he's doing a million things and he, so he hasn't had time to do it but it's been a really good spec script for me and so when he introduced me to another client of his who was an animation director um i sent him that script and i sent him a comedy that i had written so that he could kind of see both because even though his idea was family animation, it was, it's very action oriented. Uh, So he used to work for uh, Pixar. He got to work on The Incredibles with Brad Bird and he kind of became Brad Bird's uh, action guy, um, especially because he had been to flight school. And so he knew how to animate anything that flew. And so he kind of, he learned a lot from Brad Bird and especially kind of a respect for action and danger, even in Mm. family films, because uh, there was one story that he likes to tell about uh, an animator who had done this really funny sequence with one of the bad guys um, during the the chase with Dash, you know, he's on top of that machine and they're like punching each other out and stuff. And he had written a really funny bit there and it brought the house down in dailies. And then Brad Brad Bird goes, yeah, we can't use that it makes the bad guy look like a buffoon. And that takes away the danger that dashes in right now. It's mm. like, you're not, you know, you're not going to stay with that feeling uh, that the family's in danger for the rest of this, you know, climactic portion of the film, if we make fun of the bad guy right now. And so that's kind of been one of the things that we've been incorporating into our current uh project is, yeah, just lots of, um, action that really does have a sense of danger to it.
0: Um, and are I you I
2: off track there a little bit?
0: <laughs> no, no. That was great. You like answered future questions we're, we were going to have for you. We're so it's fine. You, wanna, I'm, you, I'm you want, it. we can just leave and you can, <laughs> um, I am, uh, like fascinated that you kind of had this whole journey, you know, with family and children and and getting a master's and stuff. And do you, is, is the sci-fi action work that you like to write geared more towards the younger age group? Is it kind of a toss up, whatever you're inspired by?
2: You know, it really depends. The current project is definitely family.
3: Mm -hmm. and,
2: And I love that. And you know, I feel like I'm in kind of uniquely qualified to write something like that with my background, and especially because, like I said, you know, we're, we're exploring the themes of um, mindset, you know, growth versus fixed mindset, and how that kind of affects people and you know their willingness to try new things and take risks and and to go for their dreams, that kind of thing. And so, um, I forget why I was saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh yeah, right. My degree actually ha- has been useful. Yeah, um, but I also write much darker things. I have a a take on Rumpelstiltskin that um, unfortunately people found too dark. Because <laughs> <Aww.
0: laughs> he he successfully takes all the babies and <laughs> eats them, huh? <laughs> no,
2: it has a happy ending, but it's it, it's really dark, you know, in that one. <laughs> not, not really family friendly yeah (laughs) but it's funny because I was telling my husband this the other day you know I mean one of the things as a screenwriter that you're kind of forced to do and a little bit as an actor too if you really want to you know get a lot of work is to brand yourself and so you know my brand is is sci-fi big world you know adventure action kind of stuff but really that that brand itself contains everything, because Mm -hmm. you have to be good at writing comedy, you have to be good at writing thriller kind of action, you have to be good at writing drama, like it's all in there, and if it's not, then you just get a big spectacle, and no great story, because the great stories all have to do with, you know, human emotion and connection, it's comedy, it's drama, you know, it's your life being in danger, that kind of thing, and the the big worlds and all that, it's it's pretty setting and it's it's nice decoration, but it's not what really makes you love a story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> very Spielbergian, you know, caring about this. Do you have a uh either maybe it's a, a particular film or a filmmaker or even a screenwriter that you can kind of base that that perspective off of? Is there something that that just inspired you or is this more so just everything you've experienced as a writer and just kind of like pushing that into the narrative itself?
2: I mean, it's it's a lot of what I've discovered kind of through the, you know, trials and tribulations of trying to learn this crazy, yeah. crazy <laughs> writing skill plus this crazy industry, which is a whole other animal in itself. Um, I do actually do love Spielberg. Absolutely. And I mean you notice his work ranges from you know holocaust drama to aliens invading and everything in between um and I I love that so it's you know it's not when people tell me you know you have to be <laughs> you have to specialize it's more like you have to specialize until you get a name and you're known and then you can do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who was it? The uh, Farrelly brothers recently did, or one of the brothers recently did the Green Book, Total Drama. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who would Who would have called that when Dumb and Dumber came out? Right. (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah. Oh
0: man, I had a question and I lost it. So Tyler, you better have one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I saw your eyes darting back and forth. Maybe she might have it.
0: She's hooking it.
1: Uh, so I actually, I am curious, uh, you know, talking more about individual writing processes. I mean, they're all different. You know, my process might be different from your process, different to the next person's process, but do you have, let's go into the general inception of, you know, the idea for a script. Is that usually brought to you by by music, by, by art, by real life instances? Like, do you have one thing you utilize more than the other that will, you know, I mean, cause that creative spur?
2: It comes from everywhere. Like there are a million stories, you know, right around you every day. I heard somebody say, you know, a a good writer will see two or three of them. A great writer might see 10 of them, but there are, you know, hundreds and hundreds out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, but interestingly enough, a lot of my ideas have come from dreams.
3: Interesting. I'm a, okay. I'm a
2: really active dreamer and elusive dreamer as well and so like my brain is always working and sometimes i just wake up with you know the craziest idea and i'm like that that needs to be a movie <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i've done like at least three that way um of the 15 or so <laughs> that i've written um and then you know a lot I, I honestly love working on anybody's idea. Like the last, you know, two big ones that I've written were someone else's idea, and I love that. Um it's the idea generation is really the hardest part for me, not because I have a lack of ideas, but because it's so hard to tell which one is really gonna be like the one that you know people will respond to. Yeah. And it kind of it's just hard to pick, right? And so somebody gives me an idea. I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. I love it. Like It's there. You like it. Other people like it. We're, we're, uh, we've got somewhere to go with it. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) So you, you have a notebook next to your bed on your nightstand, right?
2: Uh, Sometimes. Okay. I, it's not there right now, but it should be. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, it's funny to talk about idea generation. I actually last year um, participated in a uh, like a writer's, writer's room kind of a thing um, for an animation studio uh, where they basically, you just brainstorm idea after idea after idea. Um, and they, and just kind of write a little short bit about what that could be. And, hmm. you know, and they, they pay you for that but then they own the idea. They decide they want to use it. But you know, I came up with in was like ten days, I think. I came up with um, eight eight solid animated movie ideas. No way! And I'm like kind nice. of sad that I had to let some of them go because, like, I'm yeah. like these are really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh- So there's no, there's no story by credit that would be linked back to you for that.
2: Hopefully they, they weren't real specific and I was like, well, I, you know, it's some people I want to work with, so I'll, I'll go in there. I think it kind of depends on how much of my idea they use. Like if my idea just kind of sparks something and then they go off in a totally different direction, then I probably won't get any credit, but if they decide to stay with my idea, I mean, there's a possibility they could call me tomorrow and be like, Hey, we love this. We want you to write it.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> I was about to say we're gonna get an email from her tomorrow say hey uh-huh. you
0: think happened. <laughs> um do you find yourself writing multiple stories at once um or are you kind of like devoted to whatever it is you're working on until it's done
2: i do i usually have two um mm-hmm. if one you know gets really you know heavy like it's they need it you know within a few weeks or whatever then I I just focus on one but generally I I have two going at any given time plus just jotting down other ideas and kind of you know kind of keeping a running tab of things that I could try Um, so yeah and and I actually am writing another novel just kind of on the side very very infrequently (laughs) (laughs) just because I like to keep that Kind of going. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm usually writing more than one thing at a time. And to me, it really helps if I'm stuck on one thing to, to just go think mm-hmm. about something else consciously for a while. And usually when I come back to the other thing, something will have worked itself out subconsciously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it helps, helps keep away that old writer's block. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's a good strategy. That makes a lot of sense. Um, is there a, a genre that you find really daunting that you've never even attempted because y- you just know how to approach it?
2: Um, I don't think there's a genre that I haven't attempted. <laughs>
3: the, oh, hey, that's awesome. That's perfect. Good
2: for you. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because I skipped a little bit of my story. So the, um, <laughs> Kind of my, my break into this world was uh joining a group called Rumble Pack that's um, started by Haler Garcia and um and then also Jim Brennan. And so I I went um I, I knew Haler for a long time. He was the friend that referred me to his manager and all that. Um but his manager came to us with a mandate of horror films um, because they they wanted They wanted to, they had some kind of funding thing that set up that eventually fell through, but they thought they were going to be able to make a whole bunch. So we kind of all got together and started coming up with ideas for horror films. And I am the biggest scaredy cat in the entire world. I can't stand horror films or couldn't. And so, but I was at the time, this was about 10 years ago, I guess, um, and it was kind of it was, or maybe even before that, it was it was before kind of female heroines kind of had their day like they're having now, um, you know. Like it's right before the Hunger Games, I think, and and you know, and well before the new Star Wars films and stuff. And I loved writing female protagonists, and you know, that's kind of what, what all my stories ended up being: that like being a woman, and so. <laughs> I was told well you know it you can't really sell that because it's you know a female protagonist in a you know in an action movie or whatever that that just doesn't work and um nobody's gonna buy it. and so they're like the only genre where a female heroine works and sells is horror and so i went Fine, I'm going to write horror then. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so I started watching horror movies, still only in the daytime with all the lights <laughs> on, and like through <laughs> my eyes half the time. But <laughs> I found that horror, like sci-fi and fantasy, can be a great way to put in metaphors and. And you know, explore things from a very you know a deeper perspective than just kind of what's on the surface. And so we got lucky that um, a production company came to us and asked us to write a horror film for them. And so we did that so uh, and then it was produced. And so we have a, I you know, I can say I'm a produced screenwriter because they uh, wanted to make my horror film that I co-wrote with my with my writing partners. So, yeah, you know, never be afraid to try new things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what uh, if if I'm asked, what was the the horror film about?
2: Uh so it's called Apartment Two Twelve, and I do believe it's still available on Amazon. Oh, um, yeah. Oh,
0: Tyler's like write it down. Tyler loves yes, horror yes, films. <laughs> I refuse to be in the room with them yeah. when, I, when and his girlfriend are watching. I'm like, oh, I'll go upstairs.
2: <laughs> yeah, we want a really uh, that one is about a young woman who is leaving an abusive relationship, and she moves in. She run, kind of runs away, hides, kind of, and and you know finds this apartment and she moves in and very and she keeps hearing her neighbor crying, and soon after that, her neighbor kills herself, and then the the girl starts to wake up with these bites. On her body all over. So the original title was actually "Gnaw," <laughs> oh. and, uh, but the <laughs> distributor needed something that started with the letter A. Honestly, um, and so <laughs>
1: <I see what laughs> it works it better
2: for uh, for different algorithms and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so she, you know, she's trying to figure out what's uh, what basically eating her alive, and. You know, we use that metaphor to to explore her history of abuse and kind of her, uh, you know, being eaten away by her doubts and her fears and, you know, and then eventually overcoming that and standing up to both her ex-husband and the little creature, it turns out, who was eating her.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: d- here, here's my my one my one thing, and I think this is part of the why I don't like horror films, too, because I'm that person that's like, the minute something like that happens, I'm like, I'm not staying here anymore. Goodbye, I will find a new place to Yeah. <laughs> that's
2: al- I mean, that's always the, the big question in, in any kind of horror movies. Why, yeah. why don't you just go? Um, you know, so we just tried to set it up, or she really didn't have anywhere else to go. And, sure, yeah, sure, sure. So,
1: I mean, you you say you're you're not a fan of horror movies, but I think of you know all these comedians who are writing the most amazing horror films yeah. in the last twenty years. And I don't know. I'd say if you, if you keep with that, you could have the next Get Out on your hands. <laughs> and every interview is you saying, "I really don't like horror movies, but I want to do this.
3: <laughs> it's just so cool." <laughs> Yes. Um,
2: but I uh, I am really enjoying writing family animation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's super fun. Yeah. What, is there anything different in writing for animation versus live action?
2: So it really depends. For me right now, no. Um, okay. We're just, you know, writing a spec script that looks pretty much like any other spec script. Um, and I'm writing it with the person who wants to direct the film, so... You know, I don't have to worry too much about you know, am I directing too much and all that? Like, you know, I pretty much write it the way he wants you know to direct it. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um, if like once it goes into production, there's a lot of different ways to do animation, um, and one way is to kind of send your script off. There are like places in Japan and China, I think, that have just like animation farms, kind of, and people just kind of animate what they see written. And so apparently if you're writing the show that way, you have to really describe you know every single thing. And so it'd, it'd be a lot longer and a lot more boring to read. Um, and then there's also two different ways of doing an animated um, feature really show, not so much, but there's, they call it um, a board driven show. Versus a script driven show. Um, and so, like the Pixar method is very board driven. So, they come up with an idea and they immediately have their artists start drawing things and they put together a whole story kind of that way. And they do write scripts, but they'll go kind of back and forth between a script and a board. Um, but the real kind of creative imaginative work is mostly done in the boards where they figure out visually what works and what doesn't. And Pixar, one of the reasons why they just have hit after hit after hit is that they actually make the movie about five times before they make the finished product. And sometimes those early stages are so far from what the final product ends up being. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Up. It was original, the first idea was about two princes in the sky with like these battling sky kingdoms or something like which <laughs> 100% different movie
0: yeah <laughs> I mean i want to see that movie now yeah. but
2: <laughs> so yeah so you know they were trying stuff and it wasn't working and at some point they hit on you know this old guy and that's what took off Literally and figuratively, yeah. <laughs> and and so that's kind of you know where the movie ended up being. And there's almost you know there's nothing I think except maybe there was a blimp in the original one. <laughs> like... Oh my god! And so that's yeah, so fascinating. Start, like really invests a lot of time in yeah. just doing their you know storyboards just over and over and over again until they have you know, a movie that people are really responding to and then they go make it for real. You know, before that, it's just like sketches and and temporary voices and, and temp music sure. and stuff. And they just get that, they perfect that and then they go make the movie. Um, And the other way is script driven where you write a script just like you would for an action film. And then they record voices and they animate kind of around all of that. They don't change anything really after huh. the script. So, yeah, so it kind of depends on which, you know, which method you're using. We will probably be doing something of a hybrid because hopefully we'll get a decent budget but probably not the kind of budget that Pixar has to make movie five times. So we'll probably get, you know, one, maybe one and a half rounds of storyboards. And so even right now, even though we're pitching a finished script, we we're still, you know, we're basically, like getting a head start so whenever that green light comes we're like okay we're already you know halfway through our second our next rewrite and you know we want to nail as much down in the script as possible before we go to the boards so that there's less to fix you know whenever possible which i mean we kind of have the we both love the story um alex my partner he's the one who whose idea it is and i you know he's been a great partner for me we clicked really well and you know, I always felt that I was just 100, you know, part of this project and, and creating it along with him. And we we both love the story, and there's a lot of personal connection to it for both of us. And so we um, we just love it, and we're going to make it whatever you know, whatever way possible. I mean, he's even uh, in another venture looking into doing things with NFTs, and he's like, you know, if we have does that mean? <laughs> that's the question
3: uh, uh, yeah
2: I, I don't understand it all but it, it's basically a way of um, creating something that has uh, its own unique digital signature um, so
0: oh interesting
2: people are starting to make movies this way and then with that digital signature it can be distributed but the but every time it changes hands the original Um, creator gets a piece of that
3: so
2: yeah so it's interesting it's an interesting way for artists to look at and there's there's been some sales in digital art lately uh, using that process that have been interesting so it's kind of a weird crazy new field that people are looking into for for new possible distribution pathway
1: (laughs) yeah it (laughs) someone just explained it to me a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, that makes much more sense than just hearing NFT consists. Cause I know Kevin Smith is doing that with oh, okay. a few of his projects. Um, something was NFTs and that I, I, uh, I, I do wonder, I've never pitched a project, uh, animated or, you know, live action or otherwise to a studio. I know we were talking about it when we were on set, but how did that come about finding, you know, um, your way into a meeting with a studio was that through your management? Was that through some other means? Like, how how did that yeah, process kickstart? So,
2: yeah, so my manager Tarek uh, is also Alex's manager, and you know Alex had this idea, but Alex isn't really a writer, um, and so he paired us up. And so Alex is represented by Verve Agency in LA. Oh, cool. And so they're you know probably the fourth biggest agency I think out there. Um, you know, just they're a boutique agency, but they're just kind of right behind the the big three. And so, they, you know, we wrote the script kind of over COVID. It was my COVID project. Um, he was actually finishing up work on Space Jam Two, where he was head of story. And uh, right when COVID hit, uh, he had been in working in LA, but uh, he moved back to Israel to be with his family during COVID. And you know it. Lasted much longer than anybody expected, and so of course he ended up finishing uh, making Space Jam 2 remotely. Everybody did, um, and so he was living in Israel but kind of working on LA time for a while. And we just started meeting once a week and just kind of going through the story and beating it out and figuring it out, and um, used the time to just write the script and you know went through a couple of drafts, had a reading, did the whole deal, and um and then send it to his agents and they loved it and so they're like yeah definitely you know create a pitch and let's go and the whole time that we had been talking and working you know and i had been writing alex had been drawing and and he even got some friends of his to to make some drawings and different things and so we ended up with a slideshow presentation it's about 60 60 slides long um that you know we go through the whole story and and just basically sell it and so that people can not only understand what the story is but you know what the art style is going to be like and it's kind of um you know what the themes are and what uh the tone of it is I guess so those yeah so Verve has been setting up um uh, all those meetings wow. so we're pitching all over the place
1: <laughs> and you had a few the last few weeks do you have any more coming up
2: um we do, I think we still have two, um two more bigger ones. And then uh if nobody comes back with a yes, we've gotten very positive feedback, but nobody has said yes quite yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if nobody comes back with a yes, you know, at that point we start going to smaller production companies, see if we can kind of team some people up and you know, kind of create a deal that way. Um I my Tarek is German and he's got a lot of connections kind of all over the world. His mom's Arabian, actually. So he's half German, half Arabian. And wow. he, and then he loves Asia for whatever reason. He's always going to Asia. And so he um, and he knows, you know, people in Japan and the entertainment industry there and in China as well and different places and then as well as Europe. And so yeah, so he he can have a lot. It's interesting because animation, especially since COVID is still very much being done remotely and that has opened the door for a lot of international collaboration and things like that. So that's really fun.
0: That's, so cool. yeah, that's very cool. Um, I kind of want to circle back to when we, you know, got first started talking um, and, and you talked about how you had a hard time I don't want to say with failure, but like, you know, being so successful, then then getting to Stanford and and realizing like there's another step up or whatever. How have you in the course of kind of finding your niche in writing and, and whatever kind of overcome that initial disappointment and and the ability to move forward and you know, not, not quit, not give up. Cause I'm sure like you've written plenty of things that have never necessarily gotten off the ground and, you know, and whatnot. And do you have a strategy for that or just a new mindset?
2: Yeah, it it really is a mindset. Um, I mean, for one thing, I think I I had to realize that, you know, even, even though I faced this disappointment and, and this rejection, you know, very early on, And it it did set me back, you know, like I think I was out of it for seven or eight years. I didn't do really very much acting at all and and hadn't even really, you know, just kind of writing for fun and stuff. Um, But the truth is like, I figured once I started like having a life and doing other things and having a job, like that, that need or whatever would just go away and it didn't. Like I still wanted to do it, even if I only was doing community theater, you know, and just writing for myself. I had to do that all the time. And so I. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to learn how to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm going to keep doing it until I get better Um, and. And i it's interesting because uh, Carol Dweck is a psychologist who um, has done a lot of the research on growth and fixed mindset. And she did a, most of her research after I actually graduated from um, grad school, but I, I remembered some of her earlier research and, uh, and I loved it. I had always talked about it with the parents that I worked with. Um, and it was about being uh, authoritative in your parenting rather than authoritarian. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and kind of, you know, what, what went into that and, and how it helped children develop, um, you know, just more healthy (laughs) uh, psychologically. And so when I saw her research after that, once I had kids, um, and that her research had gone into this growth versus fixed mindset, it just, it made so much sense. And it just kind of clicked together all this stuff that I had learned in school and experienced in terms of kind of how um, how gifted kids I hate to use that word about myself it sounds weird but I, I was a valedictorian. <laughs> 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 uh, so how easy it is to fall into that that trap where you you know are afraid to try anything and, and afraid to fail. And I just really started looking kind of at myself and, and, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and I realized that, you know, I was an artist and this is what I was born to do. And so I was going to learn how to do it. And I was going to put my work out there. And if I failed, then I failed, um, you know, and it's Peter actually was a really great mentor in that way. He always told us, you know, you're, you're failing forward. You're always failing
0: forward. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, well, it's just interesting, you know, it, it, uh, coincidentally, I um, was on Instagram because, you know, that's what millennials do now. But um, uh, and I saw a clip about this woman giving a TED talk and she said how growing up, her father always asked her and her siblings um, at like a, a dinner a week. You know, what did you fail at this week? And if they didn't have something to, to say, oh, I didn't do well at this or whatever, he would be disappointed because he wanted them to learn it's okay to fail and like that there, you know, and, and it was a really interesting little snippet that I saw. And so it just kind of reminded me of that because yeah, if you're not used to it, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, and, and it really taught her not to be afraid of failure, but to know that you can overcome it and move forward. And, you know, um, I thought that was really interesting. So you're just, your story kind of reminded me of that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I have two teenage boys, so you know (laughs) they—they're fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, she did not roll her eyes the slightest bit saying that. Uh,
2: (laughs) They are—they are great boys, but you know, parenting always has its challenges.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Teenage years is a challenge. And uh, I do want to go back. You you mentioned you know how how Peter became a mentor to you and um, all these things that he did for the you know just kind of mold you into pushing you into this this part of your career. He was actually the person that brought me on a big fish when I took you know just a workshop to see what this whole acting thing was about. And he he gave me he brought me in he gave me a chance. So um, that's just really cool to hear that you know I think I hopped on right before he left to go take care of his mother back on the East coast. And he was just the, the sweetest guy. I hope, uh, I hope you still do. Do you talk to him uh, at all? I haven't or? talked
3: to him
2: in a while, but he okay. is back in Denver. Um, and I believe st- still teaching
1: some right to act classes. So I really? Think, uh, okay. Yeah. I need to get back in touch with him. Yeah. <laughs> that, I just thought that was so cool. Like, oh, I didn't. Cause I, everyone said, you know, he was the greatest guy you know like one of the coolest agents you could have met because he wasn't really an agent he was just more of a mentor figure a teacher so yeah. that was yeah, really cool was to hear
2: always his big thing was teaching and mentoring
1: yeah and i mean let's go outside of of the arts portion for for a bit you know, we we know that you are or you are a gifted uh, adult and we're a gifted child. <laughs> uh, what <laughs> no, I'm just giving you brief. Uh, what do you have any like hobbies? Do you do anything outside of, you know, writing or, or acting that um, like, helps you kind of reconvene and, and decompress outside of everything else?
2: Yeah, I'm a huge nature person. Um, you know, I, I moved here for my husband's job, but I honestly had always just kind of had this inkling in my mind that Colorado would be kind of where I would end up. It, it's kind mm. of weird that way. Um, but I love the mountains. Um, we we bike, we hike, we ski slash snowboard, depending on how my back is doing.
3: Oh. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I, I'm really, I'm hoping this winter we can get into snowshoeing. Yeah, I really want to do that because it just sounds so peaceful and wonderful. Um, we paddleboard. We just bought paddleboards a couple of years ago, and we take them out to Cherry Creek. We went out to Chatfield a couple of days ago. Um, so very active. Um, I don't do my sports anymore. The sports that I played in in high school were um, volleyball, tennis, ba- um, softball, volleyball, tennis, softball, and basketball. So, oh,
1: wow. <laughs> oh my God, how are your knees?
2: Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> My back is not great. My knees are okay. Um, They they pop. They make really loud noises a lot, but so far so good. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and then, and windsurfing, my husband, my husband introduced me to windsurfing when we were in college and um, did that for. Quite a few years and then my back was really bothering me for the last 10 years or so and i haven't been able to do it but i did go out this last time when we were in hawaii i went out and made like two runs and i'm like okay that's good
3: <laughs> that's so <sound> cool <laughs> that's awesome
2: <laughs> uh, oh rock climbing i love haven't done it this year um but yeah i so anything outdoors just about i love um oh my husband and i like to go now to the track to the racetrack out in buyers and drive his little sports car around the racetrack and uh i think my top speed so far is 105 uh, <gasps> but it's, it's a really windy track so there's only like one long sure. long oh, okay it's so like get up as much speed as you want and then everything else is like winding around this whole track um, so
0: that's, <laughs> i didn't even know that's a thing but that's awesome
2: yeah Um uh, uh i sew that, that's something that has come in handy in kind of my indie film career. I've done a lot of costuming, both for my own things and for oh friends God. pieces and stuff. So yeah, I, I can sew. Um, <laughs> I love to read just, I mean, I think as a writer, you you need to read as yeah. much as possible. Uh, but yeah, I love both fiction and nonfiction. Um, what else do I like to do?
1: <laughs> like, man. You, you sleep sometimes right and I mean, like
0: clearly you know, um, there's n- no netflix going on at yeah exactly <laughs> yeah
2: well so uh because of my cancer i have a little bit of lymphedema
0: mm.
2: and uh i have to sit in a chair at least every other night and put on this suit that uh, like goes on my arm and part of my body here and then and it like pumps air to like make my fluids go where they're supposed to go oh, okay. so i have to do that for like an hour every other night so that's tv time <laughs>
3: that's fair that's fair <laughs> <sighs>
1: i'm sure it's really upsetting when you put that thing on and you forget you left the remote in the kitchen and that's as <laughs> you're still watching yes
2: that is quite annoying actually <laughs> i have a lot of stuff that i can do uh you know by saying a certain female name that i won't i don't know if you want to say it online an echo i have an echo um and so <laughs> you know, somebody's listening to the podcast and then uh, yeah so, uh, <laughs> But uh, so i will ask that to turn on you know netflix or whatever and it, it can do that and then if i have my phone i can control it from there it's so crazy now it is all the yeah. technology I even tell the Echo Mm. to close the shades before I sit down to watch a movie. Yeah. That's cool.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. (sighs) That just reminds me too much of that. Yeah, that Disney movie, Smart House, where it it became evil and took over everything. So.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, so here's the thing. I grew up with Star Trek, right? Like my dad was a huge Star Trek fan. And so I've seen every episode of every, just about every Star Trek that was ever made. And I, I kind of got it into my head that we would have that level of computer technology by the time oh, I yeah. was an adult, right? And so it still makes me mad when I can't just tell my computer to do something and it doesn't do it, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that.
3: <sighs>
1: we'll get there at the, the very end of this next century and go, oh, okay, well. Yeah, now I can't use it, so that's all right. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Adams has a funny quote where he says, basically, any technology that was invented um, before you were like fifteen or so uh, is just the way it's always been, and and the you know the natural order of the world. Anything that was invented between the time you're like fifteen and thirty five is like cutting edge, new technology. You know, like you're excited to use it. Anything invented after
0: 35 is just newfangled crap that doesn't need to be there. That's how it feels like it is. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I love that. Uh, One of our favorite questions to ask our guests is like, what being in this field, being a writer and actor and, and stuff, you know, everybody's got a really fun, what we call a party story. Something that's just like, so unique to what we do that wouldn't happen at an office job or whatever. Um, And it's just, but like, we brush it off. as oh yeah, another day, another day in our office, you know, what is something that you can think of that's just like this crazy thing happened?
2: No, if anything super crazy has ever happened. Sure. Um, One of the coolest things was on apartment 212, because my husband is an airline pilot, um we, so my, and my, our manager helped produce that. And he uh, set up, uh, set us up with a company in Spain to do our color and our special effects. And so after the movie was shot, um, the director and the cinematographer were going to Spain to oversee the color and stuff for like two weeks. And I was like, I want to come. <laughs> if I my own way, can I come? And they're like, sure. And you know, I really do eventually want to direct and things. And so, it, you know, it's it's really helpful to uh, kind of see that part of the post process and and to see you know everything they can do with color nowadays is amazing. Um, you know, I remember sitting in listening to a discussion um, about you know, do we need to make her cheeks a little bit rosier here so that it looks like she's, you know, more flushed and then, you know, whatever, you know, in, in this action or whatever, and they can just do that.
3: That's so cool. <laughs> you know?
2: Know. darken parts of the background and, you know, light up other parts of the background to emphasize, you know, kind of to direct the eye. And there's, there's so much that's being done in color now that you wouldn't even think of. Um, what was that Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Recently, um, what Attacked by the bear.
1: Oh, uh, the revenant?
2: <laughs> yes, that. Yeah. So I heard that, like, the way they filmed that was based in what they're doing a lot in a lot of stuff now, is just basically open everything up and get as much data into the camera as possible. Mm-hmm. And then all that cool stuff that, you know, we used to do with different lenses and lighting and all that kind of stuff, they can do it all now on a computer. And wow! It's so much easier that it's like I yeah I'm a little bit worried that the art of you know movie lighting is going to go away because yeah. just gonna light everything and do it in post, which used to be you know the joke on set, fix it in post. Yeah. No, it's like no, we we're actually doing this in post on purpose. Like it's it's interesting. Um, but that was really cool. Um, we went to this little town in Spain called Zaragoza, and uh, it's just. Gorgeous, about halfway in between Madrid and Barcelona, and it's just this beautiful, beautiful town with these two uh, old cathedrals. There's a lot of there was a lot of Moorish influence in that part of Spain, so the architecture is really fascinating. And then the company that we worked for had a studio in like this 14th century palazzo kind of place, and like it had a basement with these Roman archways. And it was just, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) So that was my party story. I got to go to Spain and hang out for a couple of weeks doing a movie.
1: I love it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tagging onto that. Do you have any advice? (laughs) <laughs> for those who are listening who may want to go to Spain and work on a movie or yeah. <laughs> just starting <laughs> just starting their arts career maybe they're in it right now and they're trying to figure out ways to not give up in the midst of this pandemic do you have anything you could pass on to our listeners
2: yeah I mean I so I uh one of the things that I've done is that uh, I helped to found the Colorado chapter of women in film um Oh yeah. really? So in Women in Film and Media, Colorado. I was the president for four years and then the vice president for a couple years. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, <laughs> no, I, no, the whole thing was four years. I was president for two years and vice president for two years. Um, and so, yeah, so like mentoring and kind of passing passing the torch is uh, is really important to me. And so I do, uh, you know, teach a few classes here and there, and and I. I read people's scripts. Um, I don't always have time to read, you know, full-length scripts, but I'll always always read 10 pages um, of somebody's work, and and then a lot of actors um, as well, especially young people. And it's it's such a crazy business. Uh, there's you know really cool stuff, but there's also like really bad stuff. There are a lot of predators out there. There are a lot of people trying to take advantage of people who want to get into this industry. And, you know, young girls, it's a whole other issue. Uh, Probably young boys too, you know. um, And so it's it's really important to have a sense of yourself and know where your lines are and to trust your instincts. um, Because if you feel like a situation is off, pretty much in this town there's nobody who's gonna be able to ruin your career. Like, <laughs> don't think that if you walk off a set because you're not feeling comfortable about something, that it's gonna have negative repercussions. Now, if if you're an asshole or you know you're irresponsible or you're lazy or you don't do your job, you know, you're you will get a reputation and you probably won't work around town. But nobody who's trying to pressure you into doing anything that makes you feel uncomfortable is worth your time. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of number one rule: is learn to trust your gut. Um, for actors, I always tell people do something besides acting, uh, because if if you're just an actor, then you're just sitting around waiting for other people to make work for you. And while occasionally lightning strikes and you get lucky and that hits, most of the people I think that you think of, you know, as movie stars and 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 working actors have always done more than just act. A lot of them write their own material. A lot of them have learned to direct. And honestly, you know, producing is not my strong suit. I'm totally an introvert, and I don't really like like reaching out to people and asking for things and <laughs> that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, but if you want to, you know, get your own work produced and out there, then a lot of times that's what you have to do too. So, um, producing is a good, good skill to have and not, not something that it's kind of a vague, you know, it's hard to describe what a producer does. It's one of those things that you just kind of have to learn by doing. Um, and a lot of people outside the industry, you know, ask if they ask me, you know, what's the difference between all these different roles. And I like to say, well, a writer makes up the movie, the director makes the movie, and the producer gets the movie made. Hmm. So that's kind of a way that I, that I kind of distinguish those roles. And any of those people can be doing multiple things at once. <laughs> um, you know, especially in TV, you're usually a writer producer. Um, so things like that. But yeah, definitely learn how to do more stuff than just act and also have a life. Um, You know, like people who are just solely focused on one single thing and don't do any other things, you know, if it's, if it's a business career or, or, you know, something like that, that might work, but a career in the arts where your palette, whether you're a writer or an actor or whatever, or director, your palette is life. Your palette is the emotional experiences that you've had as a human being and that you've witnessed other people have. And so if you're not living a life where you're having fun and having relationships and you know, meeting interesting new people, then your art is going to be very boring.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and then recently, uh, my, my partner actually gave me a really good uh, compliment. Um, and he said, you know, he's been in this business for a long time. Like he said, he started, you know, Pixar over 20 years ago and he's seen a lot of writers and directors and people come and go and he says you know there are people who have talent and skill and that's great and you have to have that but he's like the people who i have seen succeed may not even have as much of that but they have determination and a good work ethic
3: yeah. mm-hmm. and
2: that's what really makes the difference between you know people who just kind of flare up and die out and people who are kind of in it for the long haul so Yeah, he told me I had both, so I was excited about that. (laughs) I love it, yes. (laughs) I mean, writing is hard to, like, you know, I don't, I mean, I've had a few deadlines with this, but we haven't, it hasn't been anything where, like, you you have to get this done in three weeks, and and I do, I'm kind of a procrastinator, I do work better with deadlines, Um, and so you have to really develop a lot of self-discipline to just make yourself sit down and write, especially, you know, this is all in spec so far, Um, you know, and it should be a great paycheck once we make the movie, but, you know, I'm not, I haven't been paid yet to, to write this. It's just, you know, passion. And I just have to dig down and say, you know, I'm going to do this and we're going to get this done and, you know, kind of set my own deadlines sometimes. And yeah, so it's a lot of self-discipline.
1: As she said, as she's all, uh, lighting a all cigarette good and shaking. Yeah. I,
3: mean,
2: <laughs> I was,
0: I was like, I, I want more tea. It's all good. Like, you need more tea? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know a lot, what you're working on now is pretty private. Is there anything uh, of yours or something that you're working on that you'd like to promote? You want people to check out? Um, um,
2: yeah. So I'm, well... I have a website that I am currently revamping um, that will be kind of like, you know, an an insight into everything that I do and an introduction to, you know, kind of my story and and a showcase for some of my projects. Um, But I also want it to be really helpful to people. So I'm starting a a newsletter. So every few weeks, I'm just going to be, you know, writing some advice and kind of some stories like I've shared today and different things like that. Um, so anybody who wants to, to get my newsletter can uh, sign up at www.katheringold.com.
0: Amazing. That's awesome. That's a great, great marketing tool, Seriously. but also just like so helpful for people. Yeah. That'll be really cool.
2: Yeah. And I, I also have a section in it called cool stuff where I just want to promote like my friends and mm-hmm. whatever, you know, people around Denver and and my friends
0: all over the world are doing so. That's so So cool. we'll be in, in one of your, your awesome. newsletters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's going to slip her a $20 bill through Venmo. Yeah, right.
3: they <laughs> <laughs> did that through Zoom yet? Are they picking
0: that up? <laughs> it, oh, my gosh. That's a great point. Zoom should have, like, a cash app uh, yeah. attachment to
1: it. <laughs> Well, then only fans will be out of a job.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> Kathy, thank you thank you so much for for coming on to this uh show you're and welcome you.
2: this was a I, lot of fun i was really nervous like what am i gonna talk about
1: were now? You? <laughs> <laughs> i was nervous that i i sent so i sent her the information and I don't think I heard from you for a few days, and I thought there's no way she wants to do this. Like she's too. <laughs> it's like we literally just met in person maybe a month ago. <laughs> it was just, Hi, Catherine. So, so what you're doing? Really cool. Do you want to like come and like talk about your stuff with us? That'd be like really awesome. But no, you you're you're a joy to have, and I'm so glad to to have you on here. Somebody who's especially local in doing all this. Yeah. You know? Uh, we have a lot of people from from la new york the uk we've talked to and uh, it's just nice knowing that there's somebody in denver who's who's working you know harder than anybody else i've ever met to make this stuff happen so uh and no, i really appreciate you coming on here
0: and yeah absolutely
2: kind of here and it was <laughs> and so nice to meet you stephanie
1: yes you too <laughs> and uh before we go we have uh, well. We have like a a 30-second spiel we have to do. Then we will uh, conduct an awkward goodbye before we uh, stop this episode. So, Steph, I'm passing on to your spiel.
0: Okay. Listeners. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us this week. Uh, Got the mic really close to my face. Tyler is laughing at me now. I just wanted to get up close and personal with everyone. (laughs) going well guys so uh yes as always uh we're gonna keep saying these things to you until uh we have uh 1 million listeners and we've taken over the world please continue to uh follow us on social media we are on facebook twitter and instagram at pwrp podcast um you, you can also send us dollar dollar bills. If you want to support us financially, um, you can go to our Patreon page. Um, and if you leave, um, a five-star rating and a nice review of, of the show on whatever podcast platform you use, uh, we would love to send you a thank you sticker. So you could, uh, if you do that, just email us with where you rated us, reviewed us, um, uh, and your mailing address, and we will send you a sticker
3: cool. Sorry, I'm (laughs) still
0: deep one. Tyler's still (laughs) laughing at me. He didn't like this part. (laughs)
1: It's just very, very intimate, very NPR. I felt (laughs) educated. Uh, So also for our listeners, if you are somebody looking to get into the arts industry or someone who's already been working in the arts industry, we'd love to talk to you for an hour or hour and a half about your career. Uh, If you would like to reach out to us, our email is pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We'll get back to you right away as, uh, well, maybe not right away, because we have jobs and the internet hasn't been invented yet. Oh, no. I was just going to say, we're in the 40s now. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to do something weird. Um, So without further ado this crazy kooky episode, Catherine, this is our awkward goodbye. We end every episode with this. I will do the Wayne's World countdown silently. Then when I point, we will go for as awkward of a goodbye as you possibly can. Still has to be vocal, but super, super awkward. you ready? (laughs) All right. And.
3: Good night, my love. My moment with you now is ending. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.